Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here. Always good to be able to connect with you, whether you're connecting with us live at our campus that's in Charlotte or live stream, however you're doing it. I'm glad to connect back with you. And uh, I was really glad Pastor Ron talked about the next step membership exploration workshop. I am leading that it's tonight. Love to get to know more of you. You just show up here at five o'clock and I'll be glad to, to let you know more about each other and let you know more about what makes this church tick and not. So glad for all of that. I'm also really glad that this is the second message in this series called Room for Improvement. Last week, we talked about improving your prayer, and next week it's improving your finances, and then it's improving your surroundings and improving your serve, and ultimately needs no improvement is where the series is ending up. But today, it's all about improving your outlook, improving your outlook. And to help us move into that, if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate in your Bible the, the book of Psalms. And look for Psalm number 5 and verse 3. And when you find it, just keep your finger there at the book of Psalms. Uh, you may also want to locate the book of Lamentations. We'll be taking a quick stop by there as well. Maybe your Bible looks like this, or maybe your Bible's loaded on your phone. Either way, we just want to encourage you to go ahead and, and locate that place and, and hang out there. And I'll, I'll end up there, I promise. We will look at those particular sections of Scripture. And we do that because... There are a couple of things that we believe about the Bible at Good Shepherd. Maybe you've never been here before and you don't know what I'm going to say, or maybe you've been here before and you've heard me say it a lot, but it's, it's, it's kind of like our, our pledge of allegiance, this thing that I'm getting ready to say. We just realize we need to say it again and again and again. And one of those things that we believe about the Bible is that although this looks like a book, this is not a book. It's a library of a lot of books written by many authors, and get this, multiple writing styles. In fact, when, the, when we're in the book of Psalms, it's actually the song book within Scripture, about 150, not about, exactly, Talbot, 150 prayers and songs that found their way into the biblical library. And, and that's just a fact. A lot of people don't know it, but we, we found it helpful to remind ourselves about it. The other thing, that we believe about the Bible at this in leadership here, you, you may not agree with it. Or, or you may be like, yes, finally, someone says this. And wherever you are on that spectrum is okay. But we just want to be clear about what we believe. And it's this, that in leadership here, we believe there is no other library like this one on planet Earth. We believe that God poured his life out into its words. He put his truth onto its pages. We dare to believe at Good Shepherd Church that the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And out of that conviction, we do something unusual when we talk about the Bible. A lot of you already beat me to the punch. We lift it up together as a community. And again, if you haven't been here before and you're looking around and there's Bibles and phones in the air and you're just like, this is, this is odd. You know, you know how we end? It is. We admit it. But we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community because we're a collection of people who do not have life figured out, but we know who does. And because we know who does have life figured out, we are glad to surrender to his authority and to receive his revelation. Amen? And before I say another word, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, the Holy Spirit inspired the 
author of Psalm 5, and then he inspired the author of Lamentations and every other book of Scripture. And, and thank you, Lord, that when the Holy Spirit was done with all that inspiring, he did not rest on his laurels, but he's still moving and active and in our midst. And, and so I just ask that that same Holy Spirit would pour out a, a, a new anointing, even on me and even on those gathered within the sound of my voice so that we might hear and understand what it is the Spirit's communicating to the church today. Lord, I'm powerless without you, but thank you because of you, I'm never helpless. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So uh, I get to start out this message, the second message in Room for Improvement, Improving Your Outlook, I get to start out with a promise. And the promise is that if you, in, in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you something that will improve your outlook and it will upgrade your attitude. Isn't that great? That, it, that in just a little bit, if, if you do the thing that I'm fixing to tell you because your attitude is improved and your outlook is upgraded, you will be a more pleasant person to be around and you will like the person who lives inside your own head better as well. I mean, what could be better? That some of you who live with someone and you're in church next to them and there's a promise that they will be more pleasant to be around, would you just turn to them right now and say, you need this real bad? And yeah, so you, you, if, if, you, if you do the thing I'm gonna tell you, you'll be more pleasant to be around. You'll like the person you share space with in your head. In fact, I'm, I'm tempted to just say you're welcome right now and we can be done with it. But but before we get there, before I tell you this thing that's going to improve your outlook and upgrade your attitude, there's something else about you that I have to tell you. And, and this thing that I'm going to tell you about you is true of about 90 or 95% of you. And it's this, you are a victim. Now, normally I'm not a fan of victim mentality at all. I think it's toxic. I think it's way too pervasive around us. And I really run the other way from victim mentality. Nevertheless, it's true in this case, you and you and you, you are a victim. And you're like, well, uh, of what am I a victim? Am I a victim of circumstances? Am I a victim of parent, my parents? Am I a victim of love? Am I a victim of karma? Am I a victim of halitosis? And you know, I was like, no, 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 maybe. On... No, you are a victim of the algorithms. Yeah. And when I say the algorithms, I mean the mathematical equations, the formula by which those who make their living on the internet and social media arrange your own social media feed, your own internet life. The algorithms are why when you Google search a certain product, well, hello, five minutes later on your Facebook page, an ad pops up for that very same thing. And the algorithms are these mathematical equations and you are a victim of them because the algorithms are, are, are actually, and you don't even know it, the algorithms are messing with your mind, cluttering up your attitude. The algorithms are making you miserable and the algorithmers are getting rich in the process. 
You're a victim of stuff you don't even know is working on you. That's how deeply it's working inside you. Because here's what I know happens for almost every one of you who's between like 12 and 95, first thing in the morning. If you're between 12 years old and 95, which I think should encompass a good chunk of the people within the sound of my voice, that the alarm goes off in the morning and you do the reach. And what is it that you reach for when the alarm goes off? Not the alarm clock because they don't exist anymore. You reach for the thing that contained the alarm in the first place, which was, hello, your smartphone. And the people designing those smartphones are absolutely geniuses because once you have to reach for it to turn the alarm off, what do you do? You're like, well, this thing's in my hand. I might as well see what's going on inside of it. And so from your first waking moment, because you had to reach to pick it off to turn off the alarm, to pick it up to turn off the alarm. This thing is in your hand. And what is it that you, che- well, I might as well check what's going on. What, what do you, you, you check your, so, your news feed. You, you check how many likes that thing that you put up last night got. You check how many loves it got. You, you check the latest numbers on the virus. You, you check the post by that celebrity you love. You check the rant by the politician you hate. You check the cat video that everybody's watching on YouTube. You, you check the political opinion that your brother or your sister posted and you just wish they would shut up. Or you check the photo of themselves that your adult child put up and you wish they'd filtered it out and you find checking it and staying there you find it irresistible and the reason it's so some of you are like how does he know exactly how I begin every day the reason you find it irresistible is because of dopamine and you're like whoa Talbot you are throwing all kinds of big words at us we got algorithms and we got dopamine do you know what dopamine is dopamine is the chemical reaction in your brain and it fuels pleasure it fuels euphoria it fuels drive and in fact dopamine is that part of your brain researchers tell us they know this dopamine dopamine fuels all kinds of addictive behavior it's why a good thing in life can become the only thing dopamine is what it is that can make a crack addict live for nothing more than the next crack hit dopamine makes a gambling addict Spend day after day after day at the slot machines having no conception of the passage of time Dopamine makes the person with the eating disorder look in the mirror and see extra weight when actually what they're doing is wasting away. And it's so interesting that the, the images of your brain on dopamine, when, when, whether it's, it's on crack or it's on porn or it's on gambling and the way that it fires, your brain does, the pictures of your brain on that and your brain on your social media feed interacting with the likes and love is exactly precisely the same. 
And because all this is so pervasive and because it's so much part of our lives from the very first thing that we do in the morning, because it's so addictive, Good Shepherd, it turns out that the eagles were right just 40 years ahead of time. We really are prisoners here of our own device. And all of this, All of this reality puts you and it puts me and every one of us who start our days this way. It it makes it so that our attitudes need adjusting, our outlooks need upgrading because fundamentally it makes all of us so reactive in life I mean, we, 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 we get a stimulus from the device. You know, I, I had to big it up to wake up. So I might as well stay on all day. And we have this brain-soaked, knee-jerk reaction. We, we become people kind of governed by our reaction. There's some sort of stimulus from outside of us and we immediately go into react mode. And that reaction governs our attitude and determines our outlook. Some of you, the, the, the way that this has worked for some of you on, on your, the, the ways that you have turned into a very reactive person, for, for a lot of you, your reaction are, are, are one of cynicism. Like you, you have decided, because of what you've seen on your device, you've decided that if anything bad can happen in life, it will happen. And you, you become an expert at finding out and pointing out what's wrong with people and places and events. You're, you're actually kind of like the guy who had one of those uh, medical bands, wristbands, and it said, his, his band said, in case of accident, dot, 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 I'm not surprised. And, and that's the way you've become. You, you have figured that if something bad is going to happen, might happen, it's gonna happen. You, you become governed by reactions of, of cynicism. Others of you, you become governed by reactions of outrage. And, and some of you didn't need a lot of help to get there because there's already a, an undercurrent of anger just beneath the surface of your life. And yet when you look on your device, you get outraged by that person's politics or by that person's religion or by that person's political religion or by that guy's musical taste or by what that guy thinks about Clemson football yesterday. And you, you just get more and more worked up and more and more outraged. And sometimes you realize if you didn't have something to be mad at, you wouldn't feel like you were fully alive. And then for a lot of you, the, the reactions really center around fear. Because I, I, I think social media, the internet, our devices, the fact that it's always in our pocket or in our hand, it just, it just so fueled our fear. that, that, that It scared you about an already scary device, an already scary virus. It scared you about interactions with other people. Do you realize Do you realize that the change that have happened in human interactions just over the last couple of years? I mean, we we used to see people and we wanted to get to know them and wanted to talk to them. And now we we see people and we're like, oh, you might be carrying my death. It's so negative. And we're so governed by fear. And it has all been fueled and amplified and multiplied by this device that we have in our hands. And the fact that, the, 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 the truth about its impact and its influence on us is how often you check it during the day. 
If you have any doubts about what it is that I'm talking about, that this thing you start in the morning sets in, pat- in motion, this pattern continues through the day. Think about how often you check your device during the day. Studies say that an average adult checks his or her mobile device during a typical day 110 times. And the typical teenager checks their device 110,000 times. It's, no, I, I might have made that up. I might have exaggerated. But, so, so yeah, it's algorithms, it's dopamine, it's turning us into people who react. And if there has ever been a case of a human problem meeting a biblical solution, man, you can't do any better than Psalm number five in verse three. Because Psalm 5, verse 3, written about 3,000 years ago, written in a world that can't conceive of starting the day in your device. Nevertheless, look at the solution that it provides. Look at what the psalm writer says. In the... Okay, that was practice? In the... Lord, you hear my voice in the... I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. Now, I know, I know some of you, you're not morning people, and, and, and that's okay. But nevertheless, our psalm writer is saying something profound. There, there's this in, incredible truth that what you do in those very first moments of the day have so much governing power for what happens in the rest of the day. And Psalm number five, verse three, in the morning, Lord, I, I come before you. In the morning, I give you my request. It's this incredible merging of psychology, what's true about us, and theology, what's true about God, that in that morning encounter, God has designed something uniquely powerful for you and for me. And I love, maybe more than anything else, what I love about Psalm 5 verse 3 is that, is that the writer here, he doesn't start his day reacting to the world. He doesn't start his day outraged or fearful or cynical. He starts his day responding to his Lord, away from people alone with his father, instead of starting his day surrounded by noise, he starts it drenched in serenity. And to pile on there, look, look at Lamentations chapter 3 and verses 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every great is your faithfulness. And some of you are like, I've, I've heard that song. Listen, if y'all behave well, you might get to sing it a little bit later, but it's kind of up to you. If you're, if you're on your best behavior, we might just get to sing that one. They are new. God's, God's good things, God's ability, desire, longing to give us better than we deserve are new every, win- every morning. And there we see it again, and it is not by accident, it is not random, it didn't just happen. We really do, we at this church, we really are Bible lifters, because we believe God has breathed his life and his truth into all of it for all of our good, and he's telling you and he's telling me something marvelous about our mornings, and he's giving us a pattern, one pattern to discard and one pattern to embrace, and here's what it is that I want you to know, stop Listen, reacting to noise so you can start responding 
to grace. Yeah, stop. And I, and I don't know, you can just keep clapping. Stop, <laughs> stop. And I, and I don't often preach that way. You know, I, I'm, I'm rarely, no, don't do that. Right, 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 stop. But this sort of merits it. Stop reacting to noise. Stop beginning your day on your device because that just means you're going to stay on it the rest of the day. And nothing good comes from that. Stop reacting to noise so that you can start your day responding to grace, responding to all the ways that God doesn't want to give you what you deserve. God wants you to give you better than you deserve. And when you and when I, when we begin our days in, the, in this way, and I don't know why it starts, I don't know how it is, I just know it's true that some pattern is released and those early moments govern, govern the rest of our days. And instead of being reactive, frenzied, addicted people, we become people who have serenity and who have faith. And the reason that it has happened is because the algorithms get conquered by the alpha and the omega and what a glorious day that will be. Stop reacting to noise so you can start responding to grace. So I think I, I believe, I get a little worked up about, and some of you are like, you get worked up about everything, Talbot. I, I, I think I, I, I believe this because I've lived it. I'm a, a boomer. Some of you are like, duh, like we couldn't tell. I'm a boomer, and, and because I'm a boomer, like my whole life, the first thing I've done in the morning is read the newspaper. And I mean, even till very recently, like even just till a couple of years ago, like a long time after everybody else had stopped reading newspapers, I had to trudge out to my little driveway and pick up my little local newspaper because I had to know who won the game last night. And I had to know how many murders there were in Charlotte up, up until this date of the year. And I had to read the letter to the editor that I knew was going to make me especially mad. Had to, had to, had to. And then I realized a couple years ago, this is not good for me. This is doing me no good at all. And I canceled the subscription and I stopped reading the newspaper. Cold turkey, no withdrawal, I promise. And I actually started doing what I preach about. And instead of beginning the day in the world, I, I, I started the day in the word. And instead of reacting to frenzy, chaos, anger, turmoil, triviality, open up the word and start the day in eternity. And my outlook improved. And my attitude upgraded. And I don't know if I became a, an easier person to deal with. I, I'll, I'll ask you all at some point. But I, I know that I like the person living in my head a whole, whole lot better. And the, the great thing is, uh, the world, you know, the, I guess the publishers of the local newspaper, they didn't seem to miss me a bit. They, they never sent me a quiz about what I knew about local news. They didn't care, but I knew that God was pleased with my new priorities. Stop listening, reacting to noise. So you can start responding to grace. And I think one reason why this is so especially vital, particularly as we talk about improving your outlook, is because do you know what the easiest job is in the world I mean, the, the number one easy job in the world is to be a professional fault finder. 
I mean, that's the easiest job in the world. Some of you already have real natural talent at it. And, and yet by the internet, by living on your device, that, op, that tendency you have to point out problems and point out what's wrong with people and situations and events, that just gets amplified and multiplied and you have become an expert, primo, professional fault finder. In contrast, do you know one of the hardest jobs in the world is, is to be an amateur encourager. I mean, that takes something. Everybody can find fault. To be one of those people who find out what's good, notice what's good, mention it, highlight it, encourage other people through it, that takes God-given gifts, that takes tenacity, and that takes skill. And I'm so glad that I am surrounded by a whole lot of people who work at this church who've decided we're not going to be professional fault finders. We, we are leaning into our amateur encouragement. Do you realize how often this appears in the Bible? How much this whole outlook and attitude governs the scripture. I mean, imagine if Moses, if Moses had said, nah, I don't do Red Seas. <laughs> imagine if Caleb and, and Joshua had said, nah, we don't do promised land. They, they really are giants. We're going back to Egypt. Imagine if the children of Israel had said at Jericho, no, we, we don't do seven circles. We'll give you six but ain't no way we're going to march around that city a seventh time. Or imagine a Paul. Imagine a Paul said, no, I don't do Gentiles. Or if Jesus had said, I don't do crosses. But they didn't. None of them said what they don't do. None of them were professional fault finders. And that's why this thread of optimism and encouragement and outlook upgrade weaves its way through the Bible. And I want it to weave its way into your life. And there's one more scripture to look at. Look at Mark chapter one, verse 35, where we, we, we find out about, about Jesus's own patterns. Very early in the while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And I, I, I might have sold some of you on this, that you need to stop reacting to noise and start responding to grace. But you're like, where am I going to find the strength to do this? How can I start a new habit? How can I do this? How, how can I do this? You can't. But Jesus can. Because Jesus did it. He empowers it. And in fact, Jesus is more eager to answer your prayers than you are even to pray them. And Jesus is more eager to give you insight into his inspired word than you are to open it up in the first place. Yeah, you can't do this on your own, but our resurrected king who's resurrecting me, he absolutely can Stop reacting to noise so you can start responding, not just to grace, but to his grace, which in case you didn't know, it's not average grace. <laughs> it's amazing grace. And the good news is this church, we have a tool. We have a proven method 
of helping people do exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm gonna give you instructions for living into that tool, for embracing that proven method in just a moment. But, but before I, I do, I, I wanna share with you a, someone's story of how this whole outlook impacted their life. Listen to this. I cannot express how much these emails, and that's the tool I'm gonna share with you in a minute, how much these emails mean to me. My family fell apart and I'm still praying hard for reconciliation as I slowly pick up the pieces. I don't think this person is alone in that regard. But I now understand or from the little I can understand that this is definitely God's work. I had shut him out for more than two decades. This situation brought me to my knees and is when I realized what the problem was. I thought this whole time I could do life without anyone including him. I was strong and smart and had lots of common sense. I'm almost 40 and boy, have I been a mule. But it's amazing who God is surrounding me with, including people from Good Shepherd who got me reading word before the world. Never would I have guessed how important these emails and the Bible would be to me. Like food for the soul, it's a breakfast of champs. And a breakfast for also ran is when you open your device and stay there. It's a breakfast of champs. I don't want to start my day without reading them. Each day they are exactly what I need and are extremely relatable with everything going on in my life. After realizing it was him who I was needing this whole time, the emptiness that I had always felt went away. I oddly feel full now, even with this trauma I'm navigating through currently. I never want to look back. Slowly I'm cleaning up the mess I've created with his help and I'm trusting that his plan is always better. I am exactly where I need to be. And so she is. And so will you. Like I said, we have a proven method for helping people. It's not enough to give a message without giving a tool. Proven method for helping people live into this. If you, you can take out your device now because it's not the first thing you're doing in the morning, but you can sign up. We, we, we used to be called World Before the World, and now it's called Come Alive Daily. And if you go to gscharlotte.org slash email and click on there and go down to the bottom right of the page and click on daily reading prompts, you can sign up. It takes you like two seconds. You can sign up and starting tomorrow at 5 a.m. I know this because it's already written. Starting tomorrow at 5 a.m., you will be able to come alive every morning. We're in, we just have started the book of Romans, so it's not too late to get into it. And last week, we talked about this last week as well. Last week when I talked about it, there was over 1,200 people who get these emails every day all around the country. It's pretty phenomenal, miraculous. Well, this week, it started, as of this morning, last time I looked, it's over 1,400. So just, yeah, that's worthy. Who knows? Who knows? Y'all know I have been praying for a revival of obedience at this church, not a revival of spectacle, but a revival of obedience, that people would be deeply connected to the word and deeply and genuinely living out that word in ways that aren't necessarily spectacular, but they're remarkably consistent, revival of obedience. And I realized today when I, when I understood it's gone from 1200 to 1400 in a week, God's answering that prayer. Great is his faithfulness. Let's pray. So God, thank you. I, I pray that the people 
within the sound of my voice, live and live stream, would love starting their days with you would be so tired of the old reactive mode and love responding to your grace and that you would be crafting together a people who have a deep and abiding living relationship with you. For in the strong name of Jesus who lived, who died, who rose, who reigns, and who's gonna return. All of that is what we mean when we say, in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.